0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. It's aurelia I'm here with Glenn and Darcy. Today is a bit of a specific episode. We saw, um, I saw an article in the um, in the in CB, on CBC uh, a news a news article uh, covering real estate, and uh, I found the topic interesting. And I thought we, maybe we could discuss it. So, about the article, it's by Rebecca Zend Bergen, uh, CBC News. March 11 2022 the title is he's 31 and purchased 20 properties in, in two years here's how he did it so I I read the article and um, uh, I, I I commend the investor because uh, it seems like uh, so he takes a really um, properties that are in very bad shape like he says himself in the video uh, that are the worst house in the the worst house in the best block on the on the best street, on a good street, and uh, he relocates the tenants. So that seems um, he seems to genuinely care. Um, it seems that he's uh, gentrifying a whole area by himself, which is quite impressive. Um, and then the article goes on to uh, to blame such um, such behavior for the shortage of uh, homes for sale. Um, one thing I would say is, uh, if this person keeps watching YouTube videos, he may graduate to multifamily and then sell his, um, single family dwellings to, um, for the down payment on those larger properties. And, and I'm not sure that, uh, the doing of one investor, uh, can be considered the reason for the, um, increase of market prices. I would see it more as a, uh. There is a lack of uh, a lack of inventory, and I think the solution would be um, incentives to, uh, to to developers to, to de- develop more um, subdivisions. Uh, for example, here in London, like they are doing, so keep keep building more, and yeah, and that way, you know, the the prices uh, will. Um, if you have more of something. If you have more supply, it's just supply and demand. So if you have more supply, then uh, then people will be able to buy. Uh, those first-time home buyers will be able to find um, to find a property to purchase. So that's that's the way I look at it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And she uh, without trying to get too political on this, but she was suggesting that the government need to step in to uh, make it so correct me if i read between the lines wrong like that we it was more difficult to own so many properties and that lending wasn't so easy to get so many properties
2: that's correct Yeah.
1: um i don't really want to go down this path too much but you know what people will find a way around this <laughs> um yeah. you know you know they'll do joey ventures they'll get other people to qualify there's tons of ways. Um, the, the, the smart and the wealthy and the investors, they have lawyers, attorneys, everything else. It's not going to be the, the solution to this. What they end up doing is hurting the people at the bottom. Um, yeah. And that's what always happens. It trickles down and people, the, the people have the money to spend on the lawyers to get around this. We'll get around this. Um, so that, that's just what's going to happen in my opinion. But, um,
2: There's two she's, though, we should be clear. There's the journalist, uh, Zanbergen who writes the story. And the first half is about his success story. And the article turns when it's got a commentary by Leilana Farhi of The Shift. Leilana is a, a human rights lawyer that worked exclusively or extensively for the UN in third world countries. And The Shift is an organization that posits that housing is a human right, a global human right. And I don't think any of us have a a, a problem with that. Um, but it's her that is criticizing the Easy quote, easy availability of uh, investment cash available to Canadians that is driving the price of housing up. I, I don't, you know, if I were reading like Glenn, I don't think she's actually criticizing the, um, uh, what's his name, James Fernandez, the fellow in the article who's flipping these homes.
1: No, not really. I feel no, like I. Article, yeah. Kind of jammed together.
2: Yeah, and I think that's the that's the point that you've. That, that makes it tricky because I don't think any of the players here are here are bad players. I just think it's kind of a bad misunderstanding of the Canadian real estate market, like blaming easy availability of cash. If anyone's gone through a CMHC application, there's nothing easy about that. And it doesn't seem clear that James is availing himself of CMHC. And the, thing, the point that always needs to be made, CMHC is not a bank. It's a Canadian insurance company. It's a government-backed insurance company that insures mortgages not a bank. the bank he's still going to a bank. so once you qualify for CMHC insurance, then you take it to a bank and then you qualify again for a bank. It's actually an arduous process. And if you do it once to get your town home and you do it never again in your life, count yourself blessed. It is hard. So it's, it's a misnomer to say it's an easy availability of cash. This is tremendously difficult what he's doing. And I think James should be commended. Um, here's a you know guy under 30 living in his parents' basement. They called together $12,000 and now owns 20 homes. And by all accounts, he's taking crack houses. Like you got to see his video of the machete house. Nobody was living in that, not safely. So he's taken bad, unsafe inventory out and replaced it with clean, aesthetic, safe, comfortable housing. I mean, there's nothing wrong about that. I'm not going to make him a saint. He's just a good guy. I mean, we hope he is. I don't know how he files his tax returns. I don't know how he treats his children and neighbors, but this process, I think, is a virtuous cycle. Uh, I'm, I'm all in on what James is doing, as far as we know. Um, but to Leilani's point, I do, you know, it's hard not to be political because, you know, as Ori as said, you know, as soon as you say the government should, we're <laughs> political. And she's saying the government should be involved. I think they do. I think he's the wrong target. I think she's right in saying it should be the government. I mean, what municipalities are building housing for the underclass, for those that are necessary? You know Mm -hmm. that need housing. When's the last time the government built housing?
1: Like if they don't want to have like fewer landlords, then you know to try and bring the thinking that that will make it so that there's more availability for houses to buy and the prices will come down. But Mm -hmm. then who is providing the housing to all these tenants?
2: Yeah.
1: Are are they going to start the? You know, are they going to get government involved to to own all these uh, rental properties? Then is that the thing? Because that's not their game plan. That's yeah. what the government wants to do. Um, yeah. It obviously didn't work for the Americans. Um, and I don't I don't see what the solution is. To make it more difficult it doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah, I don't think making it difficult. But I do think Leilani's right. I've, I've, I'm i thinking of subscribing to the shift. I'm curious about what solutions they're going to have. Um, I, I I looked at her work history and profile and the work that she's done in her organization. Um, they want to stimulate a conversation about about housing in Canada. And that's one of the main things I care about. I care about housing in Canada. So she's a player and she's a voice in that in that uh, course. I'm interested in what she has to say. I, I don't think she's actually criticizing James. She's just saying the housing industry has, observing what we all know, we've seen historically low interest rates for a long time. But that has helped us build an awful lot of housing. Very little residential housing was built for like, multi-res until they started building condos in the 80s. And those, you know, there was nothing built in the 70s, uh, after the 70s for about a decade. And then we started you know, increasing immigration and population started growing. And we found ways to build condos. And the idea is exported from somewhere else to here. And we started building higher density condos. Um, and that's market housing. No municipality has even thought of incentivizing private industry or got into that that area. I know, I'm in Vancouver. This is one of the, um, hardest markets to find housing, affordable housing in the country. It's way worse than Toronto because we've been experiencing this thing for a decade. Toronto's like two years or three years into it. Try living this for a decade, 15 years maybe of shortages, vacancy rates under 2%. Um, and we got mountains on one side, the border on the other, the ocean on the other, and a river that splits into four streams that goes through the middle of our city. In Toronto, you can just keep building north, keep knocking over six foot trees and keep building. Not here. I mean, it's way more difficult here. Um, so we've, we know this, we've lived this. Um, I, I do think the only solution will be, as Ari wants us to avoid, is a political one. And the government will have to be involved. But I don't think private industry is the uh, demon here. And certainly not James Fernandez. I, I think no. what he's doing is virtuous.
1: No, I totally agree. And like I sort of said before, I think they packed two different interviews together. Um, Mm -hmm. and they're not really related, but they are, but they're not, (laughs) um, no, he's doing exactly what needs to be done. That's what housing needs. They need to build things. Um, the thing they're doing now is, you know, the government has stepped in some spots by, you know, making it easier to get permits for basement suites and making things so they can actually create more units,
0: right? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: We've been doing secondary street legal secondary suites here for more than two decades, and then carriage homes on back properties that they're allowed. And you know, there's people doing that. Um, you know, the government here is uh, the municipal governments here have been very, very flexible in allowing opportunities because they have to. Um, they're compelled to because housing is, as Leilani says, a human right. Um, you cannot have people laying on your streets, um, it's just wrong. Um, so I, I'm, I'm with her. I'm on her side. I just think uh, this article maybe is misapplied or just misdirected. And that's unfortunate because what mechanism is there in, in Canada to rehabilitate um, bad homes other than private individuals? If you have a crack house on your street, and my brother and I fixed up a crack house, at 1207 Monmouth in, in Windsor. When we bought that thing, it had 17 units, six were occupied, and three of the six people in it were selling crack. Uh, it was awful. Um, without us fixing that, it would remain a crack house, at least for another, until some other sucker bought it and got the misery we got of fixing it up. Now it was a misery and it was a joy. I love to work, but that's how we started in Windsor, 1207 Monmouth, and that was fixing up a crack house. And the other one that was across the corner from it was slightly worse, and five years later, they took a bulldozer to it, crushed it, and the city took the property back and extended the size of the playground for the primary school that the crack house was beside. There was no people putting, you know, working in groups of volunteers coming and fixing up that place, and there were nice homes around there. Um, Paul Martin's childhood home was honestly 200 meters away from that crack house and that primary school. Our, You know, our former prime minister, we didn't see he doesn't live there anymore. But, you know, we didn't see that class of people in those beautiful Tudor homes getting together on weekends and cleaning up crack houses. It only does would be, you know, small individuals like James Fernandez or like my brother and I buy a horrible place and fix it up and make it safe. There's no government that steps in and fixes that. When the government finally stepped in, they stepped in with a bulldozer and removed 12 units from the from the area.
1: What That's we didn't it. really talk about at all, which mm-hmm. I don't really want to bring up a new topic, but whenever um, these prices, house prices goes up and it actually makes sense to renovate these houses and make it worth it, because sometimes the renovation, you go into certain markets and the renovation price is too high that these houses just can't be renovated. That yeah. You can't do it because the ARV isn't high enough and no one's doing it. So there is advantages to having this high market that they are fixing up places that wouldn't be fixed up.
2: Yeah, like look at Detroit and say Cleveland, those in the Rust Belt. Them. Yeah, they just bulldoze them. Yeah.
1: They're not worth it to build up.
2: No, and then you then you lose housing stock forever. And that's that's a shame. There was something to work on, but I saw they were bulldozing Victorian homes in parts of Detroit, just because for tax sale, there's nothing. Nobody wanted them. They abandoned them and walked away and they became derelict and dangerous places. So they had to bulldoze them and make parkettes in middles of streets. Um,
1: there is advantages to this high market as well.
2: Yeah, and it, yeah. I think lots of sim- people want a simple solution, silver bullet. There isn't. But private yeah. industry and guys like James Fernandez will be a part of the solution. James's 20 homes aren't moving the Canadian economy. And if he doubles or triples or 10 times it to, to 200 homes or 2,000 homes, he won't be the cause of, of misery for anyone. And in fact, it looks like he's in a virtuous cycle here. But many James's fixing up derelict and old homes um, improves the um, availability of housing for everyone. Um, not everybody is able to fix up a house. What James is doing is actually really difficult. Um, you know what? Not everybody can fix up a derelict home. It's hard um, that we have people willing to take the risk and put in their own capital and fix these homes up and make them available to new investors. Is is part of many solutions to a housing problem in Canada. I just think he's he's maybe being demonized unintentionally in this, and I think that's a shame because I really like what he's doing. Uh, and it's yeah, a, it's also him. a
0: philosophical question, you know, mm-hmm. uh, property. It's it's about uh, property, you know. So if you have one person owning it and then renting it out to a so one person owns a home, has rehabbed it, and then rents out a, a good-looking home and that's safe and nice, nice, uh, nice to live in. Mm-hmm. So you you rent that, or are you want you want you want to be able to purchase it? Uh, that's a, you know the question of uh, ownership.
1: Yeah, it's a sensitive topic. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, we thought the article was interesting and we recommend yeah. you read it. Uh, we'll post a link in the, in the show notes. Um, yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in. Thank you, Glenn and Darcy. And we will see you all next time.
2: Thanks, everybody.
0: Thanks.